Blog Talk Radio. The great city playboy, they're always around to help build your home up, then help drag you down. They'll leave you with nothing worth singing about. Good evening, everyone. It is Wednesday, June 5th, 2013, and 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and you're listening to uh, Blazing Rye Backstage. Um, now, my co-host tonight uh, is a former American football player in the National Football League and a former Super Bowl-winning head coach with the Oakland Raiders, in the American Football League and later the NFL, a former color commentator for NFL telecasts. And in 2006, he was uh, inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in recognition of his coaching career. He's also widely known for the long-running Madden NFL video game series he has endorsed and fronted since 1988. And Madden broadcast with Pat Summerall in the 80s and 90s, truly a legend, uh, my co-host tonight will be the one and only John Madden. Now, I'm waiting for uh, John to call in. So, uh, in the meantime, I am going to break you off with a little bit of our latest uh, music guest, Princess Guess's song, Bass in the Trunk. Here we go. <laughs> I like the boys, I like the boys with the bass. I like the boys, I like the boys with the bass. I like the boys, I like the boys with the bass. All right, well, that's. I'm sure you get a lot from that as to what it is. Uh, now, as I was saying, uh, my, my co-host tonight is an NFL legend, uh, John Madden. Welcome to the program, John. John, are you there? Hello? John, John Madden, can you hear me? Hmm. I've picked up on you. This is just a, a hot mess already. We have the hot mess awards coming up in a bit. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's happening. Let's see if I have any. I don't have any texts from him. Let me try muting him again. Oh, the beauty of live radio. John, are you there? All right, that call has dropped. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I'm going to text my co-host to see what the deal is. Uh, what's the deal, bro, I'm saying, into the phone, the circular telephone that I have in my hand right now, um, as we wait for we, You know, there's a lot of technical difficulties on this show the last couple weeks, and tonight is no exception. Let me see if this is... This is him. Uh, John, are you there? John Madden here, yeah. Oh, okay. Jesus Christ, what happened to you there, John Madden? (laughs) I got stuck in traffic. I was just coming back from the uh, Cowboys game. It was awful, I tell you, awful. All right. (laughs) Well, of course, um, my co-host tonight and every backstage show is not, not John Madden, but the one and only John Weeks. Uh, John Weeks, 
Uh, now that you've gotten me totally thrown off, how are you? Good, good. How are you? Sorry about that, sir. You know, uh, got caught up in traffic. I was at the uh, Dallas Cowboys and Giants game over there. And, Were you really? Uh, you know, but uh, good to be here on the best show on earth. Wait a second. You were at a uh, you were at a football game in the middle of the no, day. No, no, no. My alter ego, John Madden, was. <laughs> oh, so it was, uh, you know, it was, it was it was a tough game. It was a tough loss, but I'm here, and this is always a win to be on this show. <laughs> well, we do have to pay some bills before we uh, continue with the program. Um, so I just wanted to thank our sponsor, Farrah Medrin, uh, and do a little plug for them. Hey, John Weeks, do you ever have problems with your cock? <laughs> uh, sometimes when I'm uh, going cockfighting, yes, it's, uh, it's always a problem. Sometimes it's just, you know they're dysfunctional. Sometimes you gotta teach it a lesson. Sometimes you know. <laughs> well, you should try Ferramedrin when you come in from a night out on the town with your hot Shamali friends and you can't get one of your dicks up, well then, Ferramedrin is for you. Ferramedrin may cause bleeding out your right eye socket, paralysis of the pinky toe, and in some situations will cause eternal damnation. Consult your gynecologist before using. And now on with the show. Um, so... You just said you had to discipline your cock. How do you do that? Sometimes you just got to talk to it, be straight up to it. You know, you you can't beat around the bush, if you know what I mean. And, <laughs> and you just... <laughs> well, you got to be straightforward. You, you, know? you got to be honest with your cock, you know. Oh. It's not something, you know, uh, you take lightly. You just got to be serious about it, you know. <laughs> I could have sworn you were about to go. You got to be straightforward. You can't lean to the left or the right with your cock. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You can't. No leaning. No. No going to the left. No going to the right. It's just straight. You know? <laughs> um, well, enough of your homophobic, trannyphobic nonsense. All right. Um, okay. So uh, you know, I just got a text from somebody, and I never get a text from. This person, let me see what the hell he wants. Uh, he wants something. He's... All right. Well, Mike, you know, as I just said, homophobic nonsense to you, my colleague Daniel Detata, uh, DTAT, just messaged your <laughs> your Facebook profile pic is the gayest photo ever, no homo. <laughs> what is my profile pic now? Oh, it's the one that's not even very nice. I I don't even know what your photo is. (laughs) I I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, But can I tell you, John Weeks, that I woke up this morning and was horrified because I saw an advertisement for a Broadway show, and um, I cannot remember what the hell it was. But let me see if I can uh, pull it up right now. Saw this advertisement for this this Broadway show and where the, what what is it? I don't know what it is. Um oh I think it's called I think it's called Anne, I believe. Okay, so Anne? Anne, I think. Yeah, Anne. It looks like um Okay, so so I saw this advertisement for this show Anne and it stars Holland Taylor. Now, I 
remember Holland Taylor from when I was a, a child, and I swear that on this commercial that I saw this morning uh, for this show, I was horrified because, you know, Holland Taylor is a, is a national treasure. She's a legendary actress, and the advertisement this morning says, Two and a half men's Holland Taylor stars in this show, and and I thought, well, that's this is the moment I realized the universe lost its goddamn mind. <laughs> you know, out of all the accomplishments she's accomplished, all the things she's—I mean, at least say bosom buddies are such a good show for crying out loud. But that was the advertisement was two and a half men's. Uh, you know, the worst show. I've, have you ever tried to watch that show? I, I have, yes. Recently, and it, it was torture. I was I was just in amazement that it's still on the air. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, but now they, they fired everyone. They fired Charlie Sheen. They fired the kid. It's, it's all that's left is the one man. And what about the other one and a half? There's <laughs> only one man now. It's, it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> the show is just bad. It's just... Sooner or later, you got to realize how bad it is and just shut it off. It's—I think this show may go on for another ten years. You know, it's going to be about a bunch of old men there. It's going to be awful. It's just terrible. It's not even funny. It's, it's, no, it's—it's so—it's so bad. It's funny, I think. <laughs> no, I don't think it's like it's—it's it's so painful. It's not even painfully funny. Oh, no. <laughs> that's right. That's right. kind of like uh, Charlie Sheen's tour that he went on. I, I did go see that and. Uh, that was uh, that was something well, else. I think I paid paid a hundred bucks to see that actually. And did you did you go with anybody? I did. Yes, I went with a buddy. Yes. Okay. And you go to the Radio City show. You went to Radio City or Hart? I went to Radio City. Okay. You go to the Radio City show, and this is Charlie Sheen's one man show when he was all up on his tiger blood. What happened? Was it a play? Was it a stand-up act? What was it? Oh my God! It was like kind of like they're trying to do it both. They um, they did it like he came out as a stand-up act first, and it, it was going okay until he started repeating jokes. Uh, and then that was only ten minutes into that, and then they <laughs> did like a sit-down, sit-down like interview, and that was just got bizarre because the interview immediately went into this video that they played for 15 minutes it might be on YouTube which consisted of like repetitively saying this, uh, playing the same clip over and over again where he's saying Tiger Blood you know like a million times and I just I was just I, I was going a little crazy quite frankly and, and uh, <laughs> I think the, the entire crowd was going crazy it, it got so bad at one point I think 40 minutes into the show you know people were almost running up onto the stage I think they were begging him to stop <laughs> but 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 what's amazing to me is that certain crowds and even like him he might have done a better job. The next day he went to Hartford, he went to Connecticut, and his review for that show was incredible. Apparently, I don't know if it's the New York crowd or whatnot, or he just had his stuff together. But Connecticut praised the the, uh, the thing. I don't know what was going on in Connecticut, but. <laughs> You know, the most disturbing you know? part about this is that you paid $100 to go see this. Well, what were you thinking? <laughs> I know. I was hoping you, uh, you would go over that. I, I can't do it, but you're just too smart for me. <laughs> what? 
I have no idea what you just said. Are you on Percocet or something? <laughs> so I'm going back to my John Madden impression every once in a while. So I was, uh, I was hoping you would uh, miss that, but you're too smart. You caught that. Yeah, I paid a hundred bucks for that. Well, what, what were you thinking? That's insane. <laughs> I think I got a little bit of that tiger blood, and uh, I went off the deep end when I was uh, purchasing the tickets. I think. No, you got that tiger mom, that cup holder. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I do have a tiger mom, and I agree with you on that one. So, John, the 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 thing, one of the one of the several um, uh, outrageous stories that we talked about last week was that my um, my the company for which I work during the daytime hours, uh, a bunch of people got in trouble for for. Uh, heading out during the day and getting these Yankees and Mets tickets and these soccer tickets. Remember this? Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> okay. And so as I mentioned before, the, you know, it was a stupid thing to go out and, and get them because of where we were because it was stupid to not, you know, know that something bad would happen. There would be repercussions. Um, but the, you know, it was, that was just kind of stupid and a little rebellious. But then the, the, the reaction from the firm was completely psychotic. Um, and that was when they, uh, you know, that they had a bunch of people sign final warning letters, and they had a HR email the entire fucking company. And yeah, you know, keep in mind this is a this is an international law firm, multi-billion-dollar law firm. Um, and uh, I, you know, I knew that, as I said, I knew there would be repercussions. I didn't realize they would last a month because let me find out that yesterday, towards the end of the day. People start, one person, one woman in human resources is emailing everybody one by one in our department, uh, except those of us that did not go outside during that soccer thing. And there, and she emails, please go to a, a meeting at 3 tomorrow with, like, the head of HR. And then she said it to the next person. And every email was the same. And one of my uh, colleagues wrote back and said, uh, what is this about? Did she respond? No. So please come to a meeting in human resources with the head of HR. Please come to a meeting with the head of HR. So then that was towards the end of the day. She gets everybody in a panic. Just everyone is in a tizzy thinking that they're going to lose their jobs or be reprimanded or whatever. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I realized that it was kind of stupid of them to go out and get the ticket. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's, most other companies, it would be okay. I think <laughs> lawyers, and you should know this better than anyone, there's a, a very traditional and arrogant culture in the law, the legal field. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's right. There's a, there's a, there's a very arrogant way of yeah, dealing with these things. There's almost like a like a shaming aspect to things that uh, you, you, know, you should know yeah what to do, and, and if you don't know, then we're going to teach you, you know, uh, a really cool way to do it, you know. <laughs> right, so everyone's getting these emails, everyone's panicking, and then one of my, the first colleague that got it, he he left before he realized everyone was getting him, so he thought he was the only one, and he was saying stuff to me <laughs> like, I haven't been so nice in my emails, and I've been using work copiers to print non-work things, and I've been doing all this, and he, I was like, I really think you're overthinking it, um, and then... <laughs> Luckily, I texted him that other people had gotten it, too, so he was a little relieved about that. Um, and, like, 
I mean, what's so ridiculous is that some of these people are incredibly diligent, hardworking people that, you know, kind of slipped up once and, and are being punished insanely. So this has lasted um, like three weeks now. And, uh, and as I said, they wouldn't tell them what it was about. So then this morning, I guess what happened was my supervisor went to meet with the head of HR and then somehow my supervisor's supervisor's supervisor, like the, the woman that we're all supposed to be afraid of, the lady in the sky that we're supposed to be afraid of, that's our boss. <laughs> because we don't see her. She's like, she's somewhere in the sky. Um, she <laughs> said that we dealt with it internally and we didn't need to have these meetings. So then all the meetings got canceled. So like my supervisor came back and told everyone that the meetings got canceled. So it was about this soccer and baseball thing. And I just think, John Weeks, how unprofessional and just disgusting is it for the department that is supposed to be your your keeper, supposed to keep you safe at work, for them to drive everyone into an insane panic and make it last, you know, an entire 12, 15 hours, and then and they don't tell anyone what it's about. I think that's extremely unprofessional. I'm disgusted with, with my employer. Well, I, I got to agree with you there. I think uh, to let it drag on for three weeks and not tell people what it's about and you know, give people like a panic attack. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's not healthy, first of all. Second of all, that's not very organized, quite frankly. It should never be uh, handled in that manner. Third of all, if they want to send a message across, it should be handled seriously and quickly. Uh, you know, for it to drag out for three weeks, it's just something like like that. It, it, loses, it loses its novelty, and, and, and you know, nobody's going to ever respect a an executive who doesn't handle things properly, and First of all, it's not that serious to be handling in that, 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 that kind of manner for that long. It's just, oh, my God. Yeah. It's just, they're acting it's, like they're serial killers. Right, exactly. And, and you know don't, you, you know what one, one of them should have done is just offered the ticket to somebody or something like that. I don't know. You know, it, it just sounds ridiculous. That, oh, my God. What they did was wrong, but the, what the company's doing is even worse. I mean, I don't even think what they did was wrong. I just think it was given the context clues, the given circumstances of my company, because um, I know all about I know all about living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. And John Weeks, that's what I do every day. I have to live truthfully under imaginary circumstances and deal with these imaginary, you know, uh, rules and shit. Um, and I I knew that you know you you could not navigate through this situation easily with the people for whom we work, but for some reason people just lost sight of that for you know a morning. Um, but the thing is, at most places right now, most like I say, most online startups and stuff like that, it, this shit would never go down like this. It would it wouldn't even be an issue. Like yeah, just go and come back, get the tickets, come back. Right. Right, and it seems like the. The workplace is uh, being handled kind of like a, in a medieval manner, versus like yeah. being modern about it and just uh, you know getting it done the right way. You know, HR exists for a reason. They're supposed to uh, kind of you know uh, do their job, and they didn't seem like to do that. And uh, your boss should have been kind of there. You know, she's kind of non-existent on that matter, and 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 that that just scares people too. I think that's that's a scary environment. You know, where where it's not really that stable. And 
You know, so the next day I, I would probably just go out and get some more tickets, quite frankly. <laughs> well, as I said last <laughs> night to my colleague who was flipping out last night, like, what if I get fired? What if they're getting rid of the, the entire department? And just everyone's going to these crazy, I mean, these are like uh, 2001 homes paranoia. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking, <laughs> but they were going nuts. They got to get on some drugs or something. Um, but they, but she was like, yeah, you, uh, what if they get rid of the department? What if we're all getting fired? Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I was just like, you know, that's not even, that's not going to happen. But if it were, that's not the worst part of this. The worst part of this whole thing is that we work in an environment, in an environment that yields this type of reaction, that yields this anxiety, this panic, this, you know, when something like this happens. That's the worst part about all this. Right. And, uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. And no work environment should be like that anyway. So maybe it's, uh, you know, it's not not a blessing, but maybe it was meant to be. I mean, but that's not going to happen. That's, you know, you got to understand that employers put a lot of money into employees, and uh, as long as there's work to be done, your, your job is not going to be at stake, especially for something so stupid. It should not be, but it depends on uh how rational your employer is, but yeah, I agree. I, I think sometimes lawyers, especially lawyers, um, they don't know how to run a business because uh, it's about the business. It's not about uh, disciplinarian actions. Sometimes we uh, get lost in that, I think. You know? Yeah. Oh, they have been lost for decades now. <laughs> um, let's talk about the last week when uh, the there were some technical issues that there were tonight, apparently. Uh, last week, uh, while we were trying to get Tom Fogarty on the phone, um, and I asked you to tell, oh, Tammy, tell us you every Tammy, right, Tammy? <laughs> oh yeah, Tam, yeah, yeah, Tammy Fogarty. <laughs> we're trying to get her on the phone, and as I um, was trying to, you know, navigate the Time Warner hellish waters, um, <laughs> how's that for an oxymoron there? So I. I I I put my ear away from the phone, took my ear away from the phone, and I went back to listen to it to see, you know, what to talk about this time. And as I'm listening, I realized that as I took my ear away from the phone, you went on this, like, two-minute-long tirade about broccoli and cheese. <laughs> I didn't even hear that till today. What was that about? Uh, well, well, I got emotional. I got I I was able to re I I got really emotional. I, I got re I re experienced broccoli and cheese that day and I think I was reborn. Broccoli and cheese is truly delicious. It's it's blessed. It's it's ridiculously good. It's oh my god, you you gotta get back into broccoli and cheese. It's better than cereal in the morning. It's it's better than eggs and sausage. It's it's oh my god! I I I can't can't even think about it anymore. It's too good. It's too are good. You, are you climaxing over there? <laughs> I am. This this is what it sounds like when I climax. Yes, it's all you about broccoli and cheese. Taking some of that ephedrine thing, whatever I we, we talked about. <laughs> I am. I'm doing stuff. that right now. Oh my god! <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and you had talked about it because that day you had had cauliflower and cheese for lunch. I can't think of anything more disgusting than that. <laughs> <laughs> Except my employer's behavior. It, it's it's good. It, it's, it gives you, like, double the gas. Cauliflower and cheese sauce. 
Oh my God! It makes for, for a really a, a night of fireworks. <laughs> um, so, uh, well, that that I was disturbed by, and as we talked about last time, we talked a lot about the Shamalis last time. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Now, I I remember. Okay, so. Um, uh, there's, you know, my brain was processing so much that I didn't uh, get to everything last week. Um, but I remembered this past week that my friend had said to me, like, he turned to me at some point and goes, I mean, she was crazy, too. Like, she started sucking on my toes and stuff, and I realized I had a foot fetish maybe that I didn't even realize I had before. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's, that's the crazy part. That's the fucking cra- yeah. That's that's the crazy part here. It's sucking on the toes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I know. I know. It's, it's not even the Somalia. It's it's the toes. I think it's it's, it's in the toes, bro. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, well, what did you know? What did he do about? Oh, like, I mean, did did he? J- jerk her off after I mean how did she you know get to her uh her, her broccoli and cheese moment there I, what, what did, how did he help her do that like was he jerking off her dick and then if that's the case then well well that's an important detail that you know was left out um uh, he did mention that she jerked off so I guess I don't I I just can't imagine like my friend in this situation um it, oh and then you know I think he's starting to in a way, almost embraced. Remember how we talked about last time that that in this case you're probably not a hundred percent heterosexual. Uh, I think it's uh, I think he's dipped below the fifty percent line there. I think he's gone below the Mason Dixon line on that that one. I think he's uh, you know he's he, he's 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 gone off the new territory on that one. I think you're absolutely correct. There are questions that need to be asked of him. How far did he well, go? Well, he said, you know, uh, it, like the other day, um, he he knew that we were the only people in this particular room, but there were people, you know, they could have been people elsewhere. But he like yells out to me, "Yo, when are we getting our fucking gay shots?" So I think he started to <laughs> embrace the whole. Because I told him about the meningitis thing, you know, that there's an epidemic in New York right now with that, and he said, "Yeah, hey, when are we getting our fucking gay shots?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think he's coming around. That was very nice of you as a friend to uh, to bring that up. And, uh, you know, I think he's truly coming around by, by saying such a thing, you know? I guess so. It made me wonder, <laughs> when I'm thinking about all these Shamalis lately and the transition through which they go, there's at Thanksgiving every year we go to Lenny Moskowitz's house, his family's house, and there's been two speeches for the last, like, five years, like, one five years ago, then one this past year, he makes this speech about transition, like, life is about transition, and I'm going through one right now. I'm wondering if he's turning into a Shamali. <laughs> he could be. I mean, uh, have you noticed anything different about uh, old Lenny, or what? Is he... <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's been way more awkward the last, like, five years than he ever was earlier than that. Does he have uh, difficulty picking which bathroom he goes into in a restaurant, or is he, uh, you know, is, is you I, I talk to? What do you have to do with Lenny? 
is you have to bring up Thailand, see what his reaction is. If he's uh, <laughs> ask him if he's ever been to the homeland in Thailand. If he if he starts going crazy and 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 uh, starts getting really excited, then he's uh, he's changed. He's transformed. <laughs> you know it. He's I've, he's made that transition according to his speeches. I've I've never <laughs> seen his. Uh, I've never seen the man go to the bathroom. So you know that's that's something. <laughs> Um, also, you just mentioned Thailand, and, and I noticed what you said last time was um, you said that your friend, he was getting hot and heavy with this shamali or shemale for those uh, ignorant fucks out there, and he goes, and, and he was getting hot and heavy, and then you said, but right before that, he cut the story off. Now, I asked you, John Weeks, was that the only thing he cut off? <laughs> I don't know, man. He was okay. Well, he was going into the story, and I think he got, he he caught himself because he didn't want to go too far because he you know he wasn't sure the audience would be able to handle it. So I think he was surprised at first that it was Shamali in the, in the first case, of course, but the heaviness and and the heat of the moment carried him forward. I think he did his business with this uh, Shamali. Uh, the, the, the thing is, after that, I think he was attracted to Shamalis. So I think he he said he, he purposely went to this same club every every uh, weekend, you know, and uh, kept frequenting it. I think he was hooked to the Shamalis. you got to be careful. So the Shamalis are very addictive. Very addictive. It was the same... Even though he had this Shamali experience in the first place, he kept going back to the same club anyway. Yes, yes, yes. And you would think this guy is like the most hetero guy on, in the world. You know, this guy used to wear like wife beaters, you know, and talk about women like all the time. And, you know, oh, my God. He used to wear wife beaters. That's the first thing he'd say. Like, oh, he's, uh, he's real hetero. He used to wear wife beaters. <laughs> But not so much. Not so much after he uh, he told us that story. It was so funny about. It was so funny. There was like a, a group of probably like twenty of us, and as he's going through this story about you know the different women that he met, you know we were all getting excited and we're like yeah yeah yeah. And then he says, oh, I went to this club once, and there was this beautiful girl. Uh, you know, I was having a great time with her. I had a great conversation. Then we went back to her place. And and she undressed, and I, was, I found out she was a female. And mm-hmm. we were like, "Well, wait a minute, what's a, what, what's a female?" She's like, "You know, you know, you don't want a female." And I was like, "No, no, we don't know what a female is." He's like, "You know, you know, you know, you know." And then we we're like, "No." no. And then, then he went into it, and all of a sudden, left. It was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with you guys? How old are you? We were in uh, college. It was like freshman year of college. <laughs> You know, if uh-huh. you ever have a female story, don't ever tell the female story freshman year of your, of your college <laughs> career. You want to wait till at least second semester. Um, so That's we're going right. to pause. Wait, this, wait until second semester. Yeah. We're going to pause this Shamali situation, and it's time to welcome a man who directed the brilliant Christmas rapings, uh, Tom Fogarty. Tom, how are you? I'm fine, but I choreographed it. I didn't direct it, and it's rappings, you fool. <laughs> Tell me, what's I, up? I thought 
thought it was raping. It's wrong. Um, okay. I was like, that's a weird play to do. Um, now, uh, Tom Fogarty, last we talked to you, you said your your feats was up because it was the Internet equivalent of a gyne- gynecological exam appearing on our show. Yeah, everything's working tonight, I see. <laughs> All right. So we are going to usher in this week's Hot Mess Award. Oh, the mess, oh, my God. You. Oh, love the mess, love the mess, love the mess. Please, love the mess, love the mess, love the mess. What do you got for us, Cy? Well, my first hot mess is Bobby Christina. Uh-oh. Uh, apparently, Uh-oh. she just got evicted from her apartment with mm-hmm. whatever dude she was living in it with. Because of her upstairs, her downstairs neighbor was complaining, and I guess even called the cops several times, and she finally got kicked out. But as a parting gift as she was leaving, she left a handwritten note for this couple on their door, where she just basically went off. The library was open, child. She had started out with, like, thanks. You're nothing more but shit on my shoe, and yada yada. <laughs> she slammed the door on her way out, baby. Shady boots, shady boots. You know, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not going to comment on this one because uh, the last four episodes of my show have been uh, members of Bobby Brown's family, and he he may be next. So I'm gonna shut my mouth on this. I one. don't blame you. I'm just tell, I'm just telling like a TIA is. That's the truth. Yeah, no, I, oh, I got to I gotta, I gotta sort of give it to her. You know, she did kind of classy. A handwritten <laughs> note going off <laughs> on these people. Good and you just tell us of our love, and you ain't never gonna have a love like we had. And... <laughs> wow. Yeah. What, what yeah. do you got next? Uh, my next one is apparently never fly with Janet Jackson. Why, he has such a phobia of germs that apparently on a British Airways flight in first class, she busted a gut trying to spray and clean and wipe down the windows, the seats, the the upright trays, the windows again, then spraying all around the cabin. I guess Ava Longoria, or no, uh, Victoria Beckman was, Beckham was on the plane as well, and I guess uh, she just is a fucking freak show when it comes to germs. Oh, that is not good. I've been there. I know what that's like. I had that 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 severe anxiety that manifested itself into that OCD, and it is miserable. So I feel for Janet, but she's old enough, so she has to have done something about it by now. you got to get yourself out of that. You would think, but then again, you know, she just whispers all the time. Maybe she's been crying for help forever and nobody can hear her. <laughs> well... I mean, it's kind of speaking of. What about that Paris Jackson today? Ah, uh, that's that's sort of sad because the thing yeah. of it yeah. is, no matter whatever freak show we think Michael might have, you know, been a part of, that that was still her dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the relationship they had. That was well, her dad. Know, I mean, you've got I, like we... all these other nut, you know. Car- I she'd be better off if she was being raised by the Kardashians at this point. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, Weeks and I love the the king of pop. We went to see him at Webster Hall that one time in one of the weirdest nights of our life. So we have mad love for Mike, but um, uh, but right. yes, a lot of people, 
uh, did, I mean, I, you know, you look at the guy towards the end, and yeah, it was, there was something up. There was something up, and hopefully, you know, she'll get herself better. Yeah. Um, but John Weeks, what, you want to ask Tom Fogarty for his next? Yes, Tom Fogarty, what is your fourth top match? Wow, don't hurt yourself there now. Uh, the, the next one is that Cheerios commercial that everybody's getting their pants in a in a twist over. Have you seen this? No. <clears throat> the no. little biracial girl who okay. you know sort of looks like she's she's looks like she's maybe about four years old, maybe five, and she's got like a Macy Gray fro caught in a cyclone going on. And she goes to her mom, and she asks the very white mom if it's true that if Daddy eats Cheerios, it's good for his heart. And the mom sort of explains it. The next thing you know, she runs off. And the next scene you see is a sleeping black man on a couch who wakes up to Cheerios all over his chest. And people are like, Flipping out over this commercial, the whole like Bible Belt and the Christian Belt and the, it did like you know it's it's just not good. It's promoting like bad parenting, blah blah blah. Wait, how is it promoting bad parenting? Uh, well, because it's still that's still like you know against the law in some people's minds down south. Oh yeah. Oh, so it's all just no. That's a little octoroon in some parts of the country. Like, didn't, what's the name, Alabama or something, just legalize bi-race, interracial marriage or something? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. You know, but anyway. I, that that gets into a whole other freaky thing. I mean, every state has got those kind of, like, statutes and stuff. They're just not enforced, but they're actually there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like against the law to just actually fuck in probably about 40 of the states. <laughs> they just don't reinforce it too often. Is it is it against the law for uh, a married man and woman to have sex in in some states? Yeah, <laughs> if they're not married to one another. <laughs> they're not married to one another. And Jonathan, I believe that was a yes. chick with a dick. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's what it was. Extra under the hood, if you know what I mean. <laughs> There wasn't only junk in the trunk. There was a little something next to under the hood. You're talking about the one a little, that a little Jonathan's mechanic, friend hooked up you with? <laughs> what? You were tag-teaming me there. Yes, go ahead, Weeks. Uh, it was a little Weeks. different mechanic, if you know what I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, thank you for the Hot Mess Awards. Now it's time to introduce a new segment on the show, on the Blazing Ride Backstage Show. It is called the Backstage Jerk-Off. So we are going to do the Backstage Jerk-Off right now. Are you guys ready? You no, know, you mean the Jack-Off, right? The Jack-Off. No, not, the, not the Jerk-Off, the Jack-Off. No, it's hey, the right? Joke-Off, dummy. No, Wait, no, no, is it no. the Jack-Off or the Jerk-Off or the Joke-Off? <laughs> Well, I can tell a joke and jerk off at the same time. I don't know about you. <laughs> but can you tell a joke, jerk off, and jack off at the same time? Uh, I'll let you know as soon as we're done. <laughs> All right. Um, John Weeks, why don't you kick us off? Okay. Well, Michael Douglas reveals oral sex causes... Slow down! Care. Slow down, buddy. It's all about timing. Slow down. Slow down. All right. 
All right. Well, Michael Douglas revealed oral sex caused his throat cancer. In a related story, New Jersey Senator Frank Lautenberg has died at age 89 over complications from pneumonia. <laughs> I'm the only one who laughed on that one. <laughs> okay. I'm jerking. I don't know. <laughs> I'm jacking. Next one, week. Okay. They, they say Chris Christie will fill the senator's vacancy. The last time Chris Christie tried to fill a vacancy, four people died. <laughs> Tom Fogarty, hit us, break us off with a joke. Oh, Lordy. Uh, that Miguel's leg drop on the Billboard Awards? Yeah, may have caused that girl that he landed on brain damage. The brain damage, though, isn't because his leg landed heavily on her head. It's because she was listening to the music by Miguel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Barbara Buono, the Democrat running for governor in New Jersey, is asking uh, Governor Chris Christie, is, is accusing him of being out of touch with the middle class because he gives Prince Harry, he gave Prince Harry a tour of New Jersey. In a related story, Chris Christie accused Barbara Buono of being out of touch with the rest of the world because she's currently residing in New Jersey. Waka waka! Waka <laughs> uh, by the shore! <laughs> Chris Christie gave gave Prince Harry a tour of the devastation caused by Hurricane Sandy. I to thank the governor. Prince Harry treated Chris Christie to a double cheeseburger, chili cheese fries, mozzarella sticks, spicy curly fries, chicken fingers, chicken selects, chicken tenders, chicken nuggets, a vanilla milkshake, a Carvel ice cream cake, a skirt steak, a cheese plate, five hush puppies, a bowl of tartar sauce, a box of fish sticks. Cool Ranch Doritos, five chalupas, a celery stick, and chocolate barbecue ribs. Mm. <laughs> Tom Fogarty, hit us off. A Carmen New York gay couple won their high school superlative for the cutest couple. Prior uh, to this year, students at the school could only check a box for a boy and a box for a girl. Similarly, when Michelle and Marcus Bachman were in high school, the boxes were marked for checking were a girl and a big, fat, closeted butt pirate. Threw <laughs> <laughs> oh, me for a loop there. They didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never win again. Now, John Weeks, I've talked to you about this um, just extensively. You know how I've been listening to that new amazing Norm MacDonald podcast? Yes. Yes, I heard it's very good. I'm really not looking forward to the day Colin Quinn takes over and makes it really, really bad. Ooh, with Madison charts and shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You better not. You better not do that. (laughs) And that weird Italian saying he always says, Weeks, it's all you. Man, the last time I saw this much civil unrest in Turkey was when I got a tofurkey for the family last Thanksgiving. Because it was tofu, get it? No one liked that. Tofu? It's only so bad for you in excessive quantities. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, like, 
I like the way you say tofu. Tofu. <laughs> I know tofu. Uh, gay marriage is about to become legalized in the United Kingdom. Man, what a royal bunch of queers. Hey, now. Tom Fogarty. Uh, so, Latvia just became the 18th member of the Eurozone. Uh, permission to board the Titanic granted. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't even get very that good. one, but. Very good, very good. Very They're going down, baby. They're going down. Going down. <laughs> John Weeks. There, there, there have been a lot of tornadoes ravaging the country lately. Why are women and tornadoes alike? They both moan when they come and take the house when they leave. Oh, my God. What? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Okay, we've got some breaking news here. Uh-huh. Uh, Michael Jackson's daughter, Paris, was rushed to the hospital earlier today. Now, the doctors have confirmed that it is unrelated to being held over a balcony and shaken like a tambourine. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, gosh. Too soon. Okay, what is obese, obnoxious, and overzealous? What's that? The U.S. of A. U.S.A. 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 Hey, um... Keep saying that. It's good for jerking off, too. Tom, what's the difference between an attorney and a paralegal? Uh, do I know? No. It's $225 per hour. Oh, I knew that. <laughs> and John Weeks? I was. You know what the other answer to that is? What's that? One will at least kiss you while he's screwing you. <laughs> you ain't never lie, sire. <laughs> All righty. What do you call a paralegal? What's well, that? An unglorified attorney. Oh. Oh. A glory hold attorney. <laughs> what do you mean so a glory bad. hold attorney? A glory hold. Glory hold. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> um, you know, uh and then and then after after uh I we went over these I, I, I wrote two more, so let me just I'll break these off just, you know, while we're at it. Uh, did you guys hear the TSA drop plans to uh, allow knives on planes? Uh, boy, a knife on a plane, what could possibly go wrong? And then the last one, <laughs> the morning after pill, plan B, the new order signed by that judge, uh, signed into law, allows some over-the-counter sales. Uh, so Paris Hilton uh, put her pharmacist on speed dial. And that'll end the jerk-off for the night. Is it jerk-off? It's jack-off, right? What uh, is it? It's a, jack- uh, it's a jack-off. That's a jerk-off. Uh, jack-off. Uh, <laughs> He's broccoli and cheese. Oh, boy. How was it for you? <laughs> <laughs> Even the dog was scared. <laughs> you know, there was a, a thing, uh, I guess, uh, 
Andy Dick was on Norm McDonald's podcast last week, and they said uh, uh, they were talking about how he's bisexual. And then uh, they were talking about how everyone has a little bit of homosexuality and heterosexuality, whatever. And then Andy Dick was like, "But I get it. It's it's gross, like to you know, uh, for certain people, if you're not into it. I mean, it's like." why not whack off your dog? And then Norm MacDonald goes, yeah, yeah, why not whack off your dog? <laughs> wow. Where's Pee Wee Herman when you need him? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Oh, that's Fat Oliver. <laughs> Is that what he called his? <laughs> right. We're going to end on that note. Tom Fogarty, brilliant as always. We'll catch you next week on this backstage program, sir. Dollar makes me holla. 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 <laughs> Good night, Sam. All right. Now, back to the Shamalis. Um, where were we with these females? Let me see. Let me check my Shamali notes here. Uh, we were in Lenny's transition, cutting off. Oh, um, you said last time that is um, a, a, a heterosexual man who considers himself heterosexual, it, after he bangs a Shamali, is he still a straight male? And you said that's one of the great questions of the 21st century. Explain that. <laughs> it really is. It's a mystery because, uh, you know, once you committed the act, have you changed in your mind? Have you eternally changed? You know everything. Your psychology. I, I you know, I gotta say, being being a hetero uh, guy, I gotta say, yes, you've changed. Once you've committed that into, act, you've gone into what, beyond though? the limits of heterosexuality. I think, I, you know, especially if you like it, if you, you know, if you enjoy the, the moment and and you're willing to talk about it um, in the open like that, I think you have. I think there's. You've gone to the land of Somalia, never to return. <laughs> so then, what is your sexuality? You're not you're not heterosexual. Are you bisexual? Are you homosexual? Are you Shamalisexual? <laughs> I, I think if you're gonna, you know, fall on the the, the I, I would err on the side of being bisexual because you know you haven't um, totally disavowed yourself from women because you know, in a way, Somalia is. You know, you're attracted to the appearance of, of a woman, but, you know, it's just got different mechanics. And uh, so I think, yeah, you're a bisexual in that regard. But I would like to create a new category, which is what you just said, Somali sexual. <laughs> There's got to be a better name for it, though. What's a better name for it, do you think? I, I would just say a Somalian. You are now a Somalian. You're in love with the Somalian. Somalian. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> You know what? Ever since um, I've identified as a homosexual, I've really missed breasts. So I do notice that I I I, I like breasticles and I like the cock. So it, I feel like Shamali should be ideal for me. But I'm telling you, I. I could never, I can do one or the other, but I can't do both at the same time like that. It, it freaks me out too much. <laughs> it's a little, I would think it's a little overload in terms of, it's, it's almost like, you know, having an encounter with a man, yeah, but it's a man-woman. Yeah, but how about, a, how 
How about this? Somali with breasts. Would that be adequate for you? That is. What, that's what I've been talking about this whole time, the last two episodes. What have you been talking about? <laughs> oh, no, what the I hell do you think we're So you, you, you like the breasticles. But, I mean, like, can you divvy it up? Certain times I, you know, go out with a guy. Sometimes I go out with a girl. I mean, that that, that would be enough, right? Or do you like Listen. it in, in one central location? <laughs> Wait, you mean like half of its body is somewhere and the other half is elsewhere? Like that guy on yeah, exactly. Adam for Adam with the no limbs? <laughs> That's right, yes. Wait, so, okay, so... The um, after okay after I've been like you know I tried to identify as bi for a while but it drove me nuts because a lot of people don't think it's a thing and whatever it's hard to reconcile that so I just said all right what if I'm gay and all the the tension was released from my shoulders at that point so I took that to mean something um, but even after that I have had sex with a woman and I have had sex with a man and and it is I can do. That, like, at least on a physical, I'm not saying emotionally I think I'm more connected to the male species, but physically I'm still, I can still function in those two worlds uh, on a physical level. So I can do one or the other, but I am so far away from the, the both at the same time and the same person thing. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you never know, you know. It's so you until you've gone, until you experimented in the land of Somalia. I mean, maybe maybe you have to go out to Thailand. <laughs> maybe. I, mean, I do have a huge Asian thing, especially now. Now it's like uh, there was this uh, dude on the train this morning who uh, he had like a cut-off sleeves and, and like uh, it looked very like hipstery but was very like very muscly and he had a cut-off sleeves and it looked kind of, you know, gay, but masculine at the same time. And I thought, you know, I was like, what is this guy trying to do? Give me a, a broccoli and cheese right here on the train? <laughs> By the way, I am, I am willing to bet, like, <laughs> like a lot of money that Tom Fogarty was really whacking off just now. <laughs> I, I don't just believe it. I know it. I know he was. <laughs> Why were you guys skyping? <laughs> we were. You and, and uh, him and you know, some guys it, it got a little awkward at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I can't believe he he broccoli and cheese on the phone. Uh, so uh, okay. Also, before we go, um, so you know. Over the weekend, I went back home to New Haven, and I went out with Chrissy and White Mandrew, and we went to Zinc Bar, Kitch, Zinc Kitchen or something, or ki- yeah, KZ Kitchen Zinc, um, and it was a very nice place. I've never been there before. It's like you you walk into Zinc and you go to the back, and it's that's where it is. Um, great place. Uh, and then Chrissy kept like texting this guy to come meet us there. And then that guy brought, like, his posse, and then more people came. It was, like, a really kind of annoyingly random collection of people. I love bringing the world together, but that was just annoyingly random because no one knew anybody or had anything in common. 
Um, but one of them, the one that she kept texting, that she went hiking with that morning, by the way, which I, I feel like set this guy's up to something. I feel like White Mangeru, uh White Mangeru better watch out for this guy. Uh, he's not that Chrissy would ever do anything, but I don't trust this guy. His name, John Weeks, I shit yeah. you not, his last name is Burner, but he knows Jesus, and the entire night I called him Burder. <laughs> and I'm, I would sorry. Even... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my the birds. The birds are coming back to me now. <laughs> uh, would... You're convulsing over there. I would there's a lot of convulsing oh, no, no. on the show tonight. I would have these uh I would have these conversations with Christy and correct I would even correct her that his name was Birder. And she she turned she turned to like I I was so deep in the bucket. What's the phrase? It's two sheets to the wind. What's the phrase? <laughs> two sheets to the couch, right? Wasn't it two sheets to the couch? Yeah, I was so <laughs> sheets to the couch bucket that this guy that that I, I said like okay, so Christy goes, oh Ryan knows Jesus to the to Burner, and I said uh, yeah. Have you gone bird watching with him? And then he goes, Yeah, once. And I go, And never again? And he was like, No, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could tell that he just did not understand the horror of that experience the way that we do. When he's walking 18 miles in the marshlands of New Jersey looking for, looking for birds getting attacked by all kinds of species of bugs that you don't even know existed, <laughs> not even knowing the way back home, and home is losing sight of you, and you don't know whether your mind can stay intact for the next 40 miles or so, I don't think you would be saying that it wasn't so bad. I still have nightmares about them birds. These birds over here in Texas, they scare the crap out of me. I'm telling you right now, they, they make all kinds of noises here. They're large, and... I think they're smarter than human beings. I, I've, I've grown to not only fear but hate birds. It really is a hate relationship. And what you hate relationships? No, I don't hate birds. They've ruined my life, really. And this birder guy, I, 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 I'd like to meet him. I, I really want to know if he's telling me the truth about this birding. I don't. I really don't think he is. Because if he was, he would be terrified. But don't you think that the fact his name is Birder helps him out here? No, it doesn't help him out at all. It's, it ruins his life in a lot of ways. I, you know, he must have been miserable. I, I need to meet this guy. He's, he's, oh my God! Just don't let him go birding again, ever again. I, I, he must be lying because if he had really gone birding with Zeus, then I don't know. He may not even exist. He may not even be real because this is just. <laughs> I mean, I was two sheets to the bucket wind at that point, so maybe he wasn't. <laughs> I, 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 I got to meet my this bucket guy. Um, and the other thing uh, is about the whole bird situation is I was listening to Lewis Black on the way back from Connecticut, and I texted you immediately when I heard this because he had done this special in Atlanta. And uh, for those of uh, the folks who don't know, John Weeks and I were at our friend Jesus' wedding. We were groomsmen in Atlanta or in Roswell, Georgia with the aliens and uh, mutants. And the thing is that 
uh, we uh, got to the airport and we couldn't find the subway system or public transport out there, and it's called the MARTA. And so what had happened was I'm listening to Lewis Black talk about traveling in Atlanta and how the traffic is awful and stuff, and he, and he says, well, it took me nine, ten times of being here before I even heard about that miserable fuck MARTA subway to nowhere. And, like, the audience cheered when he said that, and I totally identified. He, it took him years to find the MARTA. Weeks and I, we got to the airport. We asked everyone where the fuck this MARTA thing was, which is, what a weird name for a train, by the way. And nobody, everybody knew exactly where it was and said, oh, it's right over there, it's right over there, it's right over there. We walked the entire length of that airport. It's huge. We walked for miles. We may as well have been back on that 18-mile bird trail in the marshes of New Jersey. <laughs> oh. You know, I would much we... rather search for the martyr for a decade than ever return for a day to the marshlands of New Jersey looking for birds. <laughs> no, man, I don't think that's true because at least there's an escape from New Jersey there's a potential escape from New Jersey. Like, it's at least it's physically close. You don't have to get on a plane, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. There was, there was a physical escape. I was seriously thinking about jumping off that tower we were on into the water and just letting myself drown as the birds came to feed on my body. I really... You gave in to the birds. You submitted yourself to the birds. I did. I you sacrificed yourself. You were like Iphigenia sacrificing yourself as they head to Troy. <laughs> you know you know what the funny thing is? All those birders would have just taken pictures of me lying there as the birds feasted on me. Ah, they're obsessed with the birds. They wouldn't they care did. that a human is dying. <laughs> I don't, I'm so, telling you, yeah. I don't trust this birder guy, by the way. Did I tell you that? I don't trust him either. Birders, all they want to do is watch, and when they find that opportune moment, they strike. you got to be careful. Those birders, they're, they're just they're bad. They're, bad. they're opportunists at heart. Uh, you know, Chrissy's a great kid, but she's got to watch out. White Major, you know, got to do your job there. He's a great kid, too, and uh, I wish him the best of luck. This birder is, is no good. No good. And who the hell takes a married woman that he works with out hiking on a Saturday morning if he's not trying to get in their pants? That's right. That's right. I mean, uh, you know, what other point is there, really? And uh, he's not, uh, he may have been looking for birds up there. I'm not sure. Maybe I can trust him more because he's – no, I can never trust birders more than – Humans. I I can't trust birders. You know what I want to do one day is, uh, while Jesus is this birder guy, I'm walking through the countryside looking for birds, I want to dress up in a big chicken costume, be floated directly above them on the sky, or you know, at least 10,000 feet up in the air, fly out of this, this uh, thing, have a parachute, and parachute right down, right in front of them. I want to go do the chicken dance. I want to go crazy. I want to take their cameras, throw them in the water, and then, you know, eventually fall off a cliff. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Here's what I just heard. Correct me if I'm wrong. What? I heard you want to get into a chicken costume and 
fly 10,000 feet in the air and fall off a cliff? <laughs> what are you saying yeah. right now? Chicken dance? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to do. How are you, you know, flying? With the chicken wing? Well, I would jump out of a, uh, a plane, you know, with a parachute on. And I would, fly, I would fall, land right in front of them, dance, do a little dance, take their cameras, throw them off the cliff, and then continue to, to fly off the Wait, cliff. Wait, what cameras? Where are these cameras coming from? Oh, well, the binoculars went while they're doing oh. their birding. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is what I want to do. I, I, want to, and you want I want to so traumatize them while they're birding that they never want to do it again. <laughs> So, <laughs> you go up 10,000 feet in the air, you jump off, and you're in a huge, giant chicken costume with a parachute. So they think that a chicken is parachuting from the sky, and you look down at them with binoculars to punish them? Yeah. Well, well, no. I would land, I would take their binoculars, I would throw them off a cliff, Binoculars, and then, and then I would soon follow and jump off the cliff. <laughs> well, you would take at least one birder with you off that cliff, wouldn't you? I would. Well, <laughs> yeah, I would. I would take birder off that cliff. I would take. <laughs> I would. Uh, I would. I would take him underneath my wings, and we would. And I would fly over the cliff with the, to, to our parish. <laughs> Would would you would you let go of the parachute before you uh, jump off? No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any time. I would. I would. Yes, I would. What if the the parachute parachute. saves you and you still wind up alive? Uh, This this has to be traumatizing enough to stop the birding. You know, we got to stop the birding. So I would have to let go of the parachute. But I would just try to fly off the cliff with my wings. <laughs> we should we should start an organization called Stop the Birding, STD. United. Stop the birding and the hurting. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that is a crazy story you concocted. One that comes from a mind of someone truly traumatized. <laughs> that's right. That's the only place where it can come from. You know, sometimes I wake up and I see birds watching me with binoculars. <laughs> Do you think that they're hallucinations or these birds really have binoculars? No, I think they really are watching me. I'm not I'm not kidding. I how I are they even rented a car. Are they holding the binoculars? Oh <laughs> they have them set up in the trees, you can't see it. And <laughs> <laughs> Who sets them up, though? <laughs> they have a master bird somewhere out there. And, uh, I like the master I've, bird, too. I've seen, I've seen him flying around, and uh, he's not so friendly. We're marked I men, think it's I another guy in a chicken outfit. It's your, your nemesis. <laughs> I think the only way is to go incognito. i got to dress up as a bird. And I may do that this weekend and uh, try to infiltrate their uh, nest here. <laughs> Wait, are you going to do – what are you going to do this weekend? You're not going to do that whole chicken skydive thing, are you? No, no, I'm not going to do that this week. I want to do that on Sleeping Giant while 
uh, Christy and maybe Jesus and Bert are uh, hiking up there looking <laughs> for Bert. And, uh, you know, but this weekend is just mainly uh, reaching the Bert's nest and uh, infiltrating the nest and learning the habits of Bert's so that I could better know how to destroy my enemy. <laughs> you, gotta, you know, you're going to accidentally become a birder by studying all these damn birds. By trying to destroy them, you will become them. That's true. But if, I ever, if the day ever comes where it goes overboard like that, then, my friend, you have to step in. <laughs> you're going to have to learn how to use a gun. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to talk about what? No, go ahead. Go ahead. We got to talk about two more things before we go. We're going over. So we got to talk about two more things, and then we'll get out of here. Um, by the way, what do you think of the new set? The new what? The new set. Great. Good stuff. Very great kids. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Amanda Bynes, we talked a little bit about last week. Uh, do you know what's going on with her now? Is she getting better? Is she getting worse? I don't, I think she's getting, no, I think she's the same. I don't, I don't, I think she's stuck in that la-la land. She's la la around. And uh, she's looking for enemies on tw- uh, Twitter. I think she made some more. Didn't she make some more enemies this past week? <laughs> she may have, yes. I don't know who it was. Has she, yeah. has she lashed out at anybody else? She did. I don't know who either, but uh, but she uh, <laughs> maybe if I do a quick uh, Google search, maybe it'll come up. Um, but what was your favorite scene in She's the Main again, your favorite movie? Oh yes, the one where um, the scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger comes out and says it's time to kick some ice, and he freezes <laughs> the entire city of uh, San Francisco. <laughs> That's my favorite scene. Ar- Arnold was in that one, right? <laughs> All I know is the first thing it says is Amanda Bynes wants to be a black woman, so Drake will love her. And then it says, Amanda Bynes says, says, Liam Hemsworth is gorgeous, apologizes to Kid Cuddy. What did she say to Kid Cuddy? She says, I want to apologize to Scott Mascuti. Is that Kid Cuddy? She said... I think that's Kid Cuddy, yeah. Oh, and I guess it's her ex-boyfriend. She said, my account was hacked. I didn't call him ugly. He's not ugly. He's gorgeous, and we dated. I love him. Winky face. Now that is, there's something, something is wrong there. When you see a pretty little white girl running, no, I'm just kidding. But something is wrong with that tweet because she's, she keeps on doing stuff, like the whole like bong thing, and then she goes on Twitter and says that she never had done any drugs or dr- drank anything. And then she like, she tweets the thing about Drake, and then she says her account got hacked. She's just blaming, she, it seems like she's doing the stuff, and then, forgetting it happened, or maybe she's altering personalities, you know? It's, it's a weird thing going on with her. Yeah, she's weird. She keeps uh, doing something and then backtracking. It's like something like, like a little child would do, you know? Like, oh, I didn't do it, you know, that kind of thing, but she did do it. You know, I don't know what she's hiding behind. She's <laughs> she's very scary. She needs a lot of help. She ain't never lying. You know what my favorite part of uh, of of Steve the Main is is when uh, Robert De Niro is standing in front of the mirror and he's like, 
You talking to me? Are you talking to me? I don't see anyone else here, so you must be talking to me. Don't you love that part of season main with uh, Chatham Tainsworth? I love that part. I love that uh, the other part where uh, Sylvester Stallone is looking out over the boxing ring and he's he's won the fight and he go he lifts his hand up in the air and he goes Adrian. Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> I love the the same part in Rocky Four where he lifts his arm up and he goes Shamali, Shamali. <laughs> oh yes, that's the uh, Rocky Four, the Thriller in Manila, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, Rocky Four, the Quest for Peace or something, Attack of the Blimp. <laughs> so let's uh, and let's wrap it up, John Weeks. I went to this event on Monday night um, because my friend Peter Associate produced this thing called the Theater World Awards. And he texted me, said, you want to go to this thing? I said, yeah, all right. So then, um, and I texted Nick Fondoulis, you want to be my plus one to this thing? So uh, Fondoulis and I go, I don't know what the Theater World Awards are, John Weeks. But I go, I didn't even know what the hell Peter was doing there. I didn't know he was Associate Producer until I looked at the program. Um, so Nick Fondulis comes in. By the way, there's the monsoon outside. I was completely drenched because it was raining uh, cats and what's the phrase? Raining cats and kittens. What's the phrase? The raining cats and kangaroos. Okay, so it was raining cats and marsup, or as Andrew Manger would say, Malsupian that night. And <laughs> <laughs> you remember that time, Andrew Manger turned yeah, to Jesus? I remember that. Like, yeah. You Malsupian. <laughs> <laughs> so it's raining Malsupians out there And I'm drenched uh, I go in there I'm eating my McDonald's And then Nick Pondulis comes in And he turns to me and says So what is this? And I said I was going to ask you the same thing So neither of us knew what it was Then we saw more Syracuse people there Who are also friends with our friend Peter Dagger Shout out to Peter um, And so we turned to this girl Rebecca Weiner whom I call Guggenheim Padula, and I was like, Googs, what is this? And she said, I don't know. I don't know what this is. It's beautiful, though. So we're sitting there in this Broadway theater, the Music Box Theater, where Pippin is currently playing, uh, the revival of the Broadway musical Pippin. And we're, we're sitting in those seats, and a little, I think it was like around 7 o'clock, there was a blackout, lights go out, and the music starts playing, a voice starts singing, and you can tell that that voice is the divine Ben Vereen. And the the the, the lights were still black, but then it, the the, mm-hmm. the spotlight goes up on him, and everyone cheered and like gave him a standing ovation. It was the Broadway legend from who was in Pippin in the first Pippin and the first Jesus Christ mm-hmm. superstar, whom I saw at the Schubert New Haven with Leslie Uggams, and it was incredible. Um, it was Ben Vereen, Broadway legend. And so uh, he performed the first number. It was great. Uh, and then he presented the first award, which was great. Uh, like, and that, you know, because I'm thinking in my head, John, because I'm looking at, like, the program and who's getting awards and stuff. Are these people actually going to mm-hmm. be there? Because I didn't know what the Theater World Awards was. Nobody knew what it was. We didn't know what it was. And even during the right. show, we kept turning to each other and saying, what is this? So then um, Tom Hanks 
was so, so we found out that it was a theater it's for theater debut awards right so uh okay you, you get the award for making an outstanding broadway or off-broadway debut uh and it's been going on for this was the 69th theater world awards it's been going on forever um and what's his name uh my favorite actor uh one of them tom hanks was receiving a theater world award for his performance in this play lucky guy that's currently on broadway so the guy who introduced him is a Broadway uh, staple. His name is Courtney B. Vance, and he's in Lucky Guy with Tom Hanks now. And he came out and he goes, forgive me if it's hard to wrap my mind around the fact that I am presenting two-time Academy Award-winning international film star Tom Hanks with a Broadway debut award. <laughs> you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah it, 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 and it was like the perfect way to introduce it, and and yeah. he was like Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks was there, and it was crazy, and he <laughs> he came out and he accepted the award, and they had this little these little two little girls come out and hand the award to the people, and and Tom Hanks like bent down and thanked the girl and shook her hand and stuff, and like you, this girl just like like, gave it to him and, like, ran away. And you could tell she had no idea how meaningful that moment is. You know, she had no idea right. what the hell she was doing. Um, and uh, yeah. he got up there and he said, this isn't televised, right, so we can talk a while. And he gave, like, this 15-minute speech, Tom Hanks did, and it mm. was amazing. And he talked about uh, the play that he's doing now is written by Nora Ephron. Now, he, of course, was in some of her most popular movies. Uh, she passed away recently, like a year ago or, or less. And he said, I mean, there was a lot of talk about theater and the community of theater and the family of theater and stuff, and that was all very nice for me to hear because I, I get, you know, lost in my imaginary day job, and I'd really like to be in the reality of of creativity, even though that's supposed to be the imaginary one, if that makes any sense to you, John Week. <laughs> it does, yes. Okay, so... He says, there, so there's a lot of talk about theater. Then he talks about Nora Ephron. He was, like, uh, talking about how her theater came to be, how her plays came to be, how they would email each other. And he said, we can't see Nora anymore, but we have the, the next best thing. And he got really choked up, and he, like, turned back, and he was like, we can hear her. And it was like... I mean, it was. It reminded me of his first Oscar acceptance speech when he won for Philadelphia, and he got very choked up talking about a gay drama teacher that he had had that inspired him to be an actor. Um, and it was uh, really powerful. His speech was so just honest and powerful, and and it was he was very respectful of the world that he was in too. He wasn't you know, like a, a movie diva or anything, and um, and it was beautiful, and I love him. He's one of my favorite actors, probably like Denzel and Tom Hanks, my favorite actors, so it was awesome to see him. He gave an awesome speech. He got choked up. He was funny. It was great, um, and then Nathan Lane presented an award at some point, and oh my they, God. Yeah, and they gave a Lifetime Achievement Award to Alan Alda. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I used to want to be Hawkeye Pierce in MASH. I used to want to be Alan Alda when I was a kid. And then yeah. when I was in L.A., I did uh, background, extra work on the, the West Wing. Um, and Alan Alda was running 
uh, on the Republican ticket for senator, his character on the West Wing. So I was at a press conference, you know, supposed to be a press reporter, and Alan, I was right there, and there was the guy that I used to want to view when I was a kid, and he, he said goodnight to us at the end of the day, which not a lot of actors, you know, featured actors do. Um, so that was awesome. And then the other night he got this Lifetime Achieving Award. Um, his speech was very nice, and he's been one of the long supporters of this Theater World Award thing, and he, always, he talked about how he always puts it in his bio. And people always thank him. Oh, thanks for putting the Theater World Awards in the bio. And he said, I wouldn't dream of not putting it in my bio. And he said, like, what? that uh, it was like the third hour of the show at that point. And he was like, I am going to keep it short because I really have to pee. And everyone, like, cheered because everyone has to pee. And he said, is there anyone in this room who doesn't have to pee? And he was like, they said to be personal. So, um, and that was hilarious. And uh, his speech was great. And there was also this guy, Brandon, I forget his last name, but he uh, he and his wife are Broadway stars, and she won one of these awards last year. Um, and I guess there was this great story that she told um, about him and his, you know, his dream to be a successful actor and stuff. And, and then he went up there and talked about how they had moved from Atlanta to New York and how she wasn't too keen on the idea, but he turned around and he was like, seemed to work out pretty well for you. And uh, that was funny. And then he gave this great speech, and he was like, uh, Langston Hughes asks what happens to a dream deferred, and that's a question that, you know, we ask ourselves a lot, but not a, people, not a lot of people ask what happens uh, when a dream is realized. And, and that's, right. I feel like I'm in that right now, and then I guess you could just say thank you. Thank you. And that was really powerful. Like, Nobody does say that, you know? What happens when right. you're in the midst of realizing your dream? And, and that, that was a beautiful moment. Um, and uh, there were some really weird parts, like this woman at the end who performed. I don't know what show she was doing. She was doing some Barry Manilow. She was doing Wizard of Oz. She was, you know, she was Garland. She, she was like nobody in the – everyone in the theater had like one eye and one ear closed. Um, but, uh, but I loved that. I loved how weird it was. Also, people would ga- give these incredible, uplifting, moving speeches like Tom Hanks and Alan Alda and, and all these people. And one, uh, one, uh, uh, the, the, the guy who hosted was this theater critic from New Jersey. And every time they would give these uplifting <laughs> speeches, this guy who was like a short, stocky guy who had like no energy whatsoever he would walk out and immediately bring the energy back down. It was so funny. Like, they would uplift, and then he would immediately just be, like, make some stupid joke and have no energy. And I loved that, too. I loved how messy it was. I loved how mm-hmm. inspirational speeches were. I loved how awkward it was. And it was, like, kind of like a, a, a wake-up call to me, John. Because it was like... This is this is the world that I want to be a part of. This is the world that I miss. What am I doing with my life right now? And it really made me, like, it, I don't know. I, I think it was kind of a wake-up call, and I'm hoping that I can use it in some way to change things around right now. Um, and, and it was just this kind of, this night that I had no idea what it was going to be, and it, wind up, it wound up being something so powerful. And, uh, and, and it was, you know, I'm still thinking about how great it was and how moved I am by those speeches and how, it was all about the theater and the community of theater and how everyone is so, you know, because I've always said it's the most competitive industry, but it's also the most supportive 
group of people you'll ever meet in your life, the theater people. So um, I basically am telling you that that I miss that, and I want that back. And uh, and I think you know that was that was kind of like a first step in in a kind of a kick in the ass. You know what I mean? Right, right. And you know, just in my my own uh, interjection. I think that's a wonderful story, and the way you told it, I I could tell that you were really impacted by uh, that whole show and uh, seeing a lot of your heroes. And I think you're right. I think you saw this and. It acts as a wake-up call, and it means that uh, you have to pursue your dreams full steam ahead, and that may, and that means making a, a certain sacrifice, and you might have to do it, you know. But you know, <clears throat> a life uh, worth living is one that you really pursue your dreams. So yeah, I, th- I agree with that, and I think this this show is part of that dream, part of that creativity, that mindset that's going to give the spark, that's going to take you off on a road to uh, great success. And I think. Uh, you just have to hang in there and, uh, you know, always continue monitoring and keep your uh, eyes wide open and, and look for those opportunities because they will come, you know, and uh, as long as you're patient and hardworking, which you are, so I, and I wish you the best of luck, my friend, and I know you will be successful. So, Well, I appreciate that. I really agree with you about the show thing uh, being one of these steps along the way, one of these catalysts, one of these things, because uh, – Doing this show and the other show for the last couple of years, I've had the time of my life doing that, and it's uh, it's like um, the only reason that I haven't gone postal is <laughs> the radio show. Not not literally yeah. postal, but the only reason I haven't lost my mind is because right. the, uh, this has been my connection to the performing arts for uh, mm-hmm. the last three years. Um, if I didn't have this, then I, w- I would have lost my damn mind. I can assure you that. I can assure you I would have lost my damn mind by now. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think you're right about that. And it, what you just said about the whole, um, you know, full steam ahead and everything, it's, it's, I, was, I had dinner with, uh, you remember my friend Joanna from high school? Yes, I remember, yes. So I had dinner with her mother last night. Uh, we, we, we get dinner from time to time. People think it's weird I get dinner with my friend's mother, but, you know, we've known each other 15 years. It's a good time. Um, she'll always drop me a little cash, you know, say you're my child too, and it's very nice. Um, but we got dinner at, at uh, Five Napkin Burger last night, and we had this, like, three-hour philosophical conversation, and she was talking about how, like, I told her what I just told you about that Theater World Awards, and she was talking about uh, how – you know, every day you say, I want this, you know, you gotta, you gotta really picture it. And, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, as long as you keep reminding yourself what you want, you'll get it. You just have to keep reminding yourself because a lot of us, we get bogged down in, in miserable day jobs and just, you know, being scolded for uh, popping some free soccer tickets. Um, And (laughs) it's just, you know, you, you gotta you gotta realize what what matters and what doesn't, and the the way that people reacted to that shit at work, like all, all I could think was this doesn't matter. Like none of this shit matters at all. Right. And even if they did get fired, I'm sure all those people would have been fine. Like I know that that it, you know, it's not. I've been fired before. It's not easy um, mm-hmm. to make money that way uh, and whatever, but. But, you know, things will always work out. So, it you know, having an income, a steady income, 
matters, but like going and getting yelled at for a couple minutes by human resources about something that, you know, <laughs> didn't mean anything to begin with, that shit don't mean a thing. Right. right. Like what are, what are, what are everyone I, flipping out about? And no one even knew what it was about and everyone was flipping out. So, I don't know, man. There's there's like a, the last two, I'll say the last uh, three nights in a row, including this one, have just been these, you know, three wake-up calls in a row, my man. Three in a row. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and those <clears throat> happen for a, a real reason, you know, and uh, to keep that fire in your belly uh, burning and, uh, you know, keep feeding it, though. You know, go out there and, and, and seize the opportunities that you find and, and keep creating the networks that you're creating, and I, I think you'll be fine. I think that's important. You know, there's, there's a lot of trivial things in life, and uh, don't let those get a hold of it. Otherwise, I think you lose sight. And if you lose sight, you know, by the time you wake up, it may be too late. So um, what you're saying is a- a- absolutely correct. You know, your 9 to 5 is not your life, and it's just a means to a greater end that we have to stay dedicated to. And as long as we do that, I think that's true happiness, you know, in search of something greater than our, ourselves that we always wanted all our lives and we'd never quit uh, uh, working towards that goal. And a lot of these actors, they never quit. You know, they never really, <clears throat> they always continue pursuing that dream. And I think that's what the beauty of life is. You know, it never ends, it never stops, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like a lot of people around our age kind of have gotten so jaded that it's it's time that they kind of, you know, settle down into a mundane existence and, and you know, I mean, yeah. kind of do what I've done is, you know, it kind of sold right. out the last couple of years. But the thing that I, I got to keep reminding myself, I'm 30, I'm not 70. It's not, it's it's not time to shut it down yet. You know what I mean? No, no way, no way. It's, uh, if anything, it's time to ramp it up, you know, and, uh, you know, pursue it even further with even more vigor. And, you know, that's what a wake-up call is, you know, had those as well, and uh, they just come to you, and things seem so clear. And uh, you have to hold on to that clarity because it will be muddied by the, the daily tasks that we have to go through and uh, the crap that we have to go through at work. But just know that you know you're meant for something greater, and uh, you just have to achieve it. You know, and you will. I have no doubt about it. As long as you, you know, know that there's something else out there for you, that's what you have to do, and keep that in mind. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate yes, that. And let's ramp it up. We'll ramp it up together. Um, John Weeks, uh, thank you so much to Shade to my batter and what thanks for sticking around a little longer tonight so so I could tell that theater world story. No problem with a beautiful story and uh it's a pleasure and honor to be on the show with you as always, you know. <laughs> um, you as well, sir, and I'd like to thank uh is it Tom or Tam? Uh, oh, Sammy, Sammy Fogarty, right? <laughs> That's what I thought. I don't know. I, I don't know. He's he kept saying it was Tom earlier today, so I just went with that. But I'd like to thank uh, Tam Fogarty, uh, who who choreographed Christmas rapings, and uh, it's just a weird concept. Why would you ever, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Why why you would make a play about getting, you know, rapings on Christmas? <laughs> well, I wonder if it's about Shamali's. Oh my God! Imagine if you got raped by a Shamali. Oh my God! That would be a whole new level. That would be like, oh my! I don't even. Know. That would be an amazing book, though. Amazing. What is it called? Raped by a Shamali? 
I was raised by a Somali in Thailand. <laughs> in Thailand is in parentheses. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, didn't that, that happened in in the Hangover Two? Uh, Ed Helms' character was banged by a Somali, and he didn't know it. <laughs> right? Didn't that happen? Yes, it was. It did happen. Yeah. yeah. And that was in Bangkok. <laughs> You gotta be careful around those Somalis, <laughs> especially over in that part of the world. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll see everyone Monday night. We'll be back uh, with hip hop artist Breeze and um, and I believe another one of uh, Mr. Bobby Brown's nephews, uh, but I haven't confirmed it yet. But. And hopefully we'll get the man himself on, the king of stage and R and B. Although you know John Weeks, you know you know I think the king of R you know who I think the king of R and B is. But I'm saying like this is this is huge as well, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I know I know exactly what you're saying. I know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you sponging what I'm spilling. Alright, so oh, yeah. if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. And if you have a Barbie doll, bend that bitch backwards, take off her clothes, cut off her hair. Burn her nipples on the stove, cut off those footsies, tootsies, and leave her in some drawers somewhere. Good night, everybody. Good night, Weeks. Good night, sir. You, you, you know what, Weeks? I realized that I uh, I don't have easy access to the switchboard right now, so I'm just going to say <laughs> that one more time. Good night, Weeks. Good night, Rhino. Good night, Rhino.